We're back. Well, we can keep the first part. <laughs> hey, we're back. All new. This isn't the second time we've done this today. <laughs> we're Again. back. Hey. <laughs> You've got to keep many, that how in. Many, how many times have we were, we're back? What are we, traveling <laughs> through time, Daniel? Yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, Black Friday week. Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving week. For non-retail people. Yeah. I, I should be more thankful that it's Thanksgiving week and not less thankful that it's Black Friday week yeah. for the retail world. Well, it's good but, business for us, though. Oh, yeah. And you know who I'm thankful for? Who? Patrons. Patrons. The we patron sh- saints of Patreon. We should thank all the patrons Let's at the top of the hour. all of Just the to say, patrons at the top of the yeah, hour. They yeah, they deserve a thank you. Yes. I guess that's where I come in, and so you scroll, and I'll... Right. Because we have... A numerous amount of... Because it doesn't fit on one page. One page. Thank you, Cindy, Jeremy, Catherine, Brian, Travis, Tyler, Lindsay, Jesse, Sean, Holly Hill, Allison, Deborah, Milton, Caitlin, Megan, Dela, Dryad Gaming Company, Josh, Alan, Chad, and Brian. Man, that was a mouthful. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Um, All because of you. Seriously, it's so important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've lost a couple people. Um, and I understand, like, circumstances yep. change. Life. And, like, you can't do it forever. Mm-hmm. And deeply appreciate anything that can be supported. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, though, like, we still have to keep adding to that because we do mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, events that we do and mm-hmm. people that we want to interview that are going to take some traveling to get to. And yes. so to keep bringing this show uh it, it means a lot to us if you can support for as little as $1 a month. You a get buck. access to some special content. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done a couple a couple gifts this year. Mm-hmm. The first part of the year, I, I did a drawing and put it on a postcard and mailed yes. it from Germany to every patron we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and they liked it despite... The terrible artness. Well, or lack it's of the, all... The oops I arted it's, again. <laughs> it's objective. Art is objective. Subjective, hope, don't you? Subjective. Mean? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, I hope they didn't objectify it right into the trash can. Uh, Never mind. So then, gosh, um, <laughs> I've done that same mistake before. Jeez, <laughs> Louise. Anyway, so and then we made walnut coasters. Yes. For oh, and they were so all the patrons. They were awesome. Yeah, which I still mm-hmm. have some left. So if you haven't received huh. your p- coaster and you're a patron, email me your address, Daniel. Look what I did. Dot mm-hmm. net, and I will put that in the mail, or I'll hand deliver it because yeah. That's yeah. totally doable. Yeah, for most people. Um, <laughs> it's less some expensive. Pe- some people not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, patreon.com forward slash look what I did. It, if you can, support us for a dollar. There's some cool stuff that you get at some higher levels as well. Like we actually send you some mm-hmm. stickers and you can get a t-shirt and a poster and mm-hmm. things like that. Yes. Um, we have a store. Yeah. We haven't talked about that in a long time. Yeah. At lookwhatidid.net, there's mm-hmm. a store. So if you know somebody that loves the show, a spouse, a friend, whatever, somebody that you've talked to about the show, we have t-shirts there. Yes. We have posters there. Yes. We have stickers there. Yes. Um, so definitely check that out. And and also, like, if there's a piece of merchandise that you'd be looking for or something that you'd think would be funny mm-hmm. for us to have, um, send us a, a comment or a message. Right. But you can find our shop at www.lookwhatidid.net. Mm-hmm. 
um, yeah. which also has photos of past guests. Mm-hmm. It has the five most recent shows. It lists all our patrons there. Uh, so that's a good way to kind of mm-hmm. keep track of what's going on and and be able to see, like some of the people we've, we've interviewed have just incredible shops or yes. workspaces. Yes. And we try to highlight the work that they've done, the space that they work in, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes just putting a face to the name, right? Yep. So, um, and Heather just absolutely amazing photographer. Yeah, knocks it out of the park every time. For sure. So... I think the only big thing we have coming up in any kind of like announcement sense really is that December 23rd, we're going to do another host wrap up. Yep. Um, W R A P like wrapping paper. Yeah. Like a gift wrap up. Cause it is. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. But basically Heather, Aaron and I are going to sit down kind of like we did last year, just chat for a bit. Um, it, it like we don't always get to sit down and just kind of talk and mm-hmm. sort of like rehash the year, and so it's a it's a fun time for us and it's a cool. I well, I hope it's a cool behind yeah. the scenes kind of for I you. I believe guys, we'll so. have some. Uh, if you have a question, maybe you want to send oh, in. We yeah, can answer. Definitely do a start question, sending like questions. Q and A thing. Yeah, this would be a good. Time we'll see to if start. we can do it live. But if we can, like send us questions now, and that mm-hmm. way, if we can't do it live, we can right. do those. Yeah, then we'll do what we can. Because um, live last year got a little, little wonky. We tried. Yeah. It. Well, you know, so it's only up from here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, man, yeah. we, so <laughs> I feel so bad. We interviewed today's guest, Tad, in May, like yeah. right after yeah. school let out. And I was so excited about having it. And we were sitting on it with the goal of putting it out, like kind of the first week of August, some mm-hmm. around the time school goes in, um, to session. And that was the plan. And then this year just took off and we kept yeah. getting guests who had time sensitive stuff things. that was yes. getting released at a certain time. We ended up uh, kind of collaborating with Homegrown Festival mm-hmm. and Wonderful the Zombie time. Walk, mm-hmm. and just uh, events kept yes. you know coming uh, quickly. Death Ray, yes, um, and so we just it, this just kept getting pushed back and pushed back, mm-hmm. and I felt so bad because yeah. I I really thought it was going to come out one time, and then I think Dave Austin, yeah, like he came on and his, his audio book released, book was, yes. yeah, and so An trying audiobook. to time mm-hmm. that, and um, so I had to keep messaging Tad, like, man, I promise <laughs> your episode's coming out. I really <laughs> promise. We have we have. There's only one episode that we've recorded that has never gone out. Right. Um, which if you're a Patreon, I'll post an article for Patreon members talking about why that happened and the missing guest. And, uh, mm-hmm. there were recently were plans to try to bring that one back. So, yeah. um, but anyway, yeah. So finally we get to interview Mr. Tad Sowers. Great who, guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he's a, he's a teacher at Haas Hall. Um, he, Award winning. Yeah. He's won awards for it. We'll talk about it in the episode. Mm-hmm. He's traveled extensively. He's, um, kind of like I would consider him kind of a renaissance man. There's, there's like a, lot done about, a lot of stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. just an interesting story. And I think, um, I growing up saw teachers as very one dimensional, I think in a yep. lot of ways. Yes. And so it's interesting. We actually talk about that a little bit, like this kind mm-hmm. of like public life and personal life and the difference between the two. Um, so this is just an, like an incredible conversation with an amazing educator mm-hmm. who, uh, has, has led, a, a, I think a pretty unique existence in a lot. I think yes, a yes. lot of people don't get to travel as much as this person has. Mm-hmm. Um, this person, as much as Tad has, Tad, you yeah. know, Tad so, has a, is a name. But I've been looking person. forward to this episode for a long time. Same. I know Tad's probably been looking forward oh, to man. it. Oh man, I it's yeah. Uh, I'm know, sure the buildup for him is just like yeah. extreme. <laughs> like Ooh, any day, really come on, made yeah. you wait. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, without further ado, mm-hmm. enjoy.
I was really concerned <laughs> for a second because I thought, um, I don't know. Um, no. You're still riding? Uh, motorcycles? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm way down. I'm down to four now. Uh, what? Have to get it under control. It's, it's I crazy. sold a couple last year and only bought one. Yeah. See, for those of us who are who are heavily, heavily addicted, I try to tell people they're like, only four? Like, like well, at one point when I was bartending... I had 26 because that was how I was supplementing income was buying and selling motorcycles. Oh, so. cool. Yeah. My, my love affair with motorcycles came about uh, a long time ago. And my, uh, thankfully, my wife has endless patience with my hobbies. And I remember there was one time when we were first started dating, she went up to Carthage with me to buy a little Harley Davidson dirt bike. And and the paint job was just as seventies hideous as seventies hideous gets. It was like dark purple with like metallic flake purple with uh, so the perfect. rainbow. It was perfect. AMF. Did have a matching side. van to go with yeah. it, <laughs> right? And uh, <laughs> my, uh, she was like, "Why are you giving this guy two hundred dollars for this motorcycle?" I do not. I said, "Because it says Harley Davidson on it. Somebody will buy it." She's like, "No, this is it's the ugliest thing I've ever seen." And then about. Maybe two months later, like right after I'd got it running, a guy knocked on my door and it was like 8.30 on a Saturday morning. And this was when I was getting off of work at 4.35 a.m. Mm-hmm. On, uh, on Saturday morning. So I answered the door just wearing shorts and pissed. And I was like, what? He's like, man, is that your little Harley out there? I said, yeah. He said, is it, is it for sale? I said, everything's for sale. Just... Mm-hmm. Hit me with a number. He said, "I'll give you nine hundred bucks for it." If, and I got my trailer here. I was like, "Done." <laughs> Helped Easiest him load it ever. and uh, <laughs> walked walked back inside. And Kendra was like, "Did did you just sell that? But you just got that bike." I said, "Yep, made seven hundred bucks on it." And she was like, "Okay." And she has never questioned another motorcycle purchase <laughs> since. Sweet, because knock knock on wood, I've I've only lost money on one, two. So Man. yeah, it's it's. Not a bad deal. It's not no, a bad racket I, to get last into. Last September, I went to the antique motor, or vintage motorcycle show for Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually a member of that organization, OVMA. Yeah. I th- I went on a ride with them once, slowly, right after I got my new bike, and I was like way behind. I think I showed up 40 minutes after everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not ready to ride this bike. But uh, no, I went, and this guy had a bike for sale, and I talked to him like down 30% on his price, roughly. Nice. And like, turned around from paying the guy money and another kid was like, I'll pay you a thousand right now. Like it would have been a, what? It would have been a good return on my, what I ended up paying. Right. Like in one second, it was just like, Oh, I should have sold it, but I didn't. Cause I was convinced I was going to do something with it. And now it's just sitting in my garage. See, and that's where, where I'm at is, is two things have happened. One, um, my patience for working on motorcycles has, has declined. And also, as far as like when I was, you know, in the bar, I went in at between two and four in the afternoon. Right. So I had a couple hours in the morning, morning to get up and work on it, adjust a carb, kick it over for half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, all the, the joys that come with vintage motorcycles. And now I get up and if I'm going to ride a motorcycle, I leave the house at 615. So if I don't press the button and it starts, it doesn't get ridden that day because mm. it's just such a short window to get... Yeah. on the road that that's why I bought a new motorcycle just mm. the knowledge that it will go yeah exactly right every and, time 
and I, I never wanted to be the guy that says, because my newest bike is a 2000 BMW R1100RT, mm-hmm. and I never wanted to be the guy that was like, I love my big fat touring bike with the heated grips and the adjustable windshield, but by God, I love my big fat touring <laughs> bike with the nice. big seat and adjustable mm-hmm. windshield. Yeah. yeah. I am still, I may still, at some point, I'm going to get the... GS twelve hundred. That's I love those. Bikes. That's the dream. Uh, I I have an R one hundred GS, so mm. it's the last of of the air cooled GSs, right. and I love the bike. It's so comfortable, um, but it's still a nineteen ninety one right. GS. To so to to move into that newer mm. would would be kind of nice. Though I I finally got the Ducati out of my system. I bought a nineteen ninety five. Ducati 900 SSSP. Nice. And uh, actually tracked down a copy. And it's a weird reason to be in love with a motorcycle. But Hunter S. Thompson actually wrote the review for Motorcycle Magazine. Really? That bike was new. That's weird. And I can't remember what he called it. Um, The something like the meat monster or something. It's the weirdest. Like he freaked out the interviewer for motorcycle (laughs) because they dropped off the bikes and she showed up at the house so they could go ride. And he was like, well, let me finish smoking this joint and drinking this glass of whiskey and we'll go. And she was like, no, 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 no. And it was Hunter S Thompson. So they did it. But yeah, that bike inspires like the reason I traded it for a vintage BMW, which I then sold. And, uh, I, I got rid of it because that bike inspired me to do stupid, <laughs> stupid mm. things. Yeah. Like, I can go 80 miles an hour on one wheel. <laughs> this is awesome. The front one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Ooh. laughs> no. mm. I love that there's, there's, there's an unspoken language of people who ride motorcycles because you've had like, when you, when you talk about the high side, this is another Hunter S. Thompson thing in his book, Hell's Angels, he talked about, uh, going over the high side and people who have never experienced almost high siding a bike have no idea of the, the gut wrenching panic that is involved with that. Just the feeling. So do you know what going over the high side means? Let's hear it. Okay. So when you're in a heavy turn, so you've got some G's coming this way, mm-hmm. it's when you come up and over. So sometimes without meaning to just the force of it. If you turn the wheel wrong, it'll just flop and there is no recovery. Yeah. Like you go, you go down and it is just the feeling that I don't know if it's the G's or the knowledge that you're about to meet the pavement. Uh, it's, there is nothing in the world that can describe that sheer terror of, of doing that. And until you talk to other people, people who ride motorcycles who have done that, they're like, Oh, it doesn't sound like crazy. And then there's people who have done it. They go, Oh yes, I, I understand. Like, yeah. yeah. I've never done it, which I'm super happy about, but I also imagine there's a moment of almost like that weightless second that you get going over a hill really fast, right? Like mm-hmm. as it flips over, like you are also slowly being thrown off the bike, even though you're not, but it would feel like it. Yeah. I would assume I've still never done it. Well, I no and anything over it. anything over 150, 160 miles an hour is also like just terrifying. 
Yeah. Uh, I've only done it a couple times. I feel times, like anything but... over 100 saying I've done that oh. is also scary. <laughs> I've ridden on the back of a motorcycle with a relative of mine, and we did 115. My limiter actually on my new bike I will quit buh. at 15. I think 115. It'll stop. See, I just buy motorcycles yeah. that won't do that anymore. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Man. My, my GS gets up, gets up around 80 and says, no. Why? Well, no. So <laughs> my daily that. rider is a 2013 CB1100. Oh, nice. So yeah. it'll do, like, it looks like an old bike, but it'll it'll mm-hmm. do over 100 easily enough. But I, it's just not me. Like, I've never been a fast rider. Right. Because I started riding like really seriously riding, I was 30. So I was already a dad. I was right. And so it was just yeah. this very like, and I was a commuter. So then it was like, I just Even. don't want to get killed by that semi on the interstate or, yeah. and people ask me, cause again, knock on wood, I've, I've been down once and I started riding a little bit when I was about 16, got right. really yeah. serious about it when I was about 19. And the best advice I ever got was like, ride every moment of every day as if every driver on the road is doing their absolute damnedest to kill you. And as long as you take that advice, Mm -hmm. you're, you know, if you look at a situation when you're riding up on it and think, what's the dumbest thing that this driver can do and just assume that that's exactly what they're going to do. You, you tend to live a lot longer. Yeah. My grandpa taught me that just driving. Yep. Yeah. Like, that was literally what he said when we got in the car. He's like, everybody out here is trying to kill you. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the world well, gets way scarier at 16. Yeah. What's going yeah. on? <laughs> yeah. Is this because I ran over that box turtle? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that happened. Oh. I, when you, like, you oh. don't know where the car is in the road, right? Like when you first start, you have no, and like we all grew up in the era of like, 80s 70s cars were still on the road so you had oh, like, yeah you had that center line down the front hood and i was taught like when i you start driving when you're like 12 right like around the field or whatever and so you know that 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 center line on the white stripe like when you're looking is like you're pretty well centered well the first car that was mine was a dodge neon and there's no hood at all and i was just like <laughs> and my dad the whole time is like you're in the ditch you're in the ditch because i like <laughs> he's just like freaking out I'm like i don't know where the car is in the road and there was a box turtle and i was like i'm gonna go around it crunch uh, the I only, think I just admitted to murder. The, the you only, haven't done it since. On the record. The mm. only time we I ever I ever ditched a car. Uh, <laughs> ditched I remember a, we, oh, we were driving. like stolen no, ditched no, no, a car. No. You mean yeah. just drove no, it That's other ditch. stories <laughs> that, that we won't get into. Um, the uh, we, we were driving. My dad had like an 86 Chrysler LeBaron. And he had let me drive it back from my uncle's place. <laughs> Excuse me. Things were going absolutely swimmingly. And then an owl. So it's late at night and this massive owl just comes down into the headlights and I panic, just completely panic, step on the brakes and turn the wheel and Mm. just, just went sideways. Mm. And that was, yeah, that was my, we've all done dumb stuff. Yeah. (laughs) How I've survived mine is really like you, you look back on it and there's so many, well, I almost died. Yeah. Stories. My uh-huh. students absolutely love, like, if they can talk me into story time with Mr. Sowers, I don't know if it's, I think it's about a 50 50 split of we don't have to listen to him lecture <laughs> or these stories are actually moderately entertaining. I really, I'm not sure which way it goes. Your stories are more entertaining than when I tried to sideline my seventh grade science teacher with how much I would weigh on Mars, which was a legitimate, like, well, see, I teach history, right? So I, I love teaching history because 
I'm a storyteller anyway. It's kind of part of the Sour's DNA is we right. all tend to be storytellers. And history is so bizarre. Like there are so many things in history that you're like, well, that that doesn't that shouldn't happen. And it did. Hmm. So like you and tell these does. stories and <laughs> yeah. it does right? <laughs> continually. Uh you tell the stories and, and that's how you really get the kids involved. Right. Is mm-hmm. is you're like, well, like trying to teach them about Churchill. And, you know, they're like a World War Two boring mm-hmm. stuff. And you remind them that this is, you know, one of the leaders of the free world who showed up to a press conference completely wasted. And when a female journalist asked him if he was drunk, he looked at her and said, leader of the free world, looked at her and said, Madam, I may be drunk, but you are ugly. And tomorrow, I shall be sober. How? Where's Churchill's Twitter? Um, (laughs) Right? That's what you need to start. (laughs) Churchill Twitter. Churchill Twitter. Uh, I think somebody beat me to it. Um, So, anyway, talking about the queen. Um, (laughs) That's our out. (laughs) Anytime it goes that direction, we're like, it's about to It's like, what? Yes. Um, All right. So. Savor. There's a couple things here. One, let's start with who you are oh, and what right. you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my name is Tad Sowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do is kind of a, a, a long story. Currently, I am on the social sciences faculty at Haas Hall Academy uh, in Fayetteville. I teach geography, mainly geography and history, but uh, teaching in a charter school, you kind of have to be... Um, versatile I think is the name so I teach speech I teach German um, number of number of different things and won an award I believe not too long ago a couple um, oh in that one <laughs> one a handful I couldn't uh, name them all in, oh, in, I see we have a lot in common <laughs> but the opposite in, I have not in 2017 uh, I was awarded uh, the Clay's Nobel top 10 national teacher of the year sweet so that was that was kind of a cool thing. Uh, yeah, so I'm in my daughter's top ten list of favorite dads. Wow, there, that's yeah, well done. You, yeah. yeah, way to go. Good my job. ten dads. <laughs> <laughs> that was a horrible spinoff. Apparently, the bad thing is that that would be. I think I was contending with Aaron. I'm not really sure. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the bad thing was well, it was a close call. <laughs> I'm the top eight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, before that, cool, yeah. um, uh, my I've been in Fayetteville, and this you know talking about holy crap, we're getting old. Um, Speak for this yourself. is this is year twenty one for me in Fayetteville. So I was a college student. Uh, I worked at Ozark Guidance Center as okay. a residential treatment yeah. specialist. That was horrifying, and um, I was a bouncer and a bartender. Where'd you bartend at? Uh, Gypsy. And then gotcha. the last okay, yeah. the last two years they were open, I was managing. Which Gypsy now hmm. is uh, Yeehog. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. it's I been... That's what that rotated into. It's been a, a massively different number of things oh, yeah. at this but it was point. Gypsy for a long time, I feel like. Yeah, I think uh, it's Gypsy from 04, oh, oh maybe, to... Was it that new? I really felt like it had been around for a long time. No, I think you're right. I think, because I remember... Uh, it may not have been in that spot, but I think it was. I think no, because because John Dorch moved it to college. No, after, I know it moved there after. Yeah, after no, like, a lot of people just go there and play the darts. Dart room, yeah. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Gypsy was like sort of like the other brewskis. Like you started brewskis and moved to Gypsy or whatever for right. like a show or something. Like it was just like for a while. It had and we that had, sweet spot I mean, for a we little had while. some great bands. Yeah, roll through really there. good stuff. I mean, there were we got shiny toy guns. I mean, oh, that's cool. Oh, like, I remember that show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, um, I think for a while, like that was the only thing that seemed to really be vying with George's at all. Like George's has always had good musical groups coming through, but right. Gypsy was like the other place that would have bands come through and, and gave a, a venue for like local up and coming stuff. I think there was a transitional well. period because, you know, <clears throat> Wade Ogle and, and Benton <clears throat> Bandy had it for the, for the longest time with the, with the J- Dixon Street, Street Ballroom and JR's. Mm-hmm. And then they moved it to JR's and then JR's went to the Dixon Street Theater. Right. So there was that whole kind of move around. I forgot about that even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Dixon yeah. Street Theater to me never quite had the same no. thing as like JR's when it was in the basement. Right. Yep. Like the super cool indie spot. Mm-hmm. Gypsy was like the kind of like Dixon Street version well, of that. Well, there's the, like the White Stripe story. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I was, I, I, was in or whatever. I was living abroad. But, yeah. But the White Stripes actually played JR's. Mm-hmm. To I think a, like 12, 13 people. It was the night of nine eleven because it was the night of nine yeah. eleven. Yeah, yeah. I was supposed to go to that show and didn't terrified go. Yeah. to go. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if it was terror. Like being here in the moment, and I, I vividly remember not going in my upsetness with that. Of but you were so caught up in the news and what was going on mm-hmm. that this band you at that time had never heard of didn't really matter. Right. You know, like, see, and it's so funny because I've been accused uh, on numerous occasions of being kind of blasé almost about 9-11. Right. But it's because I experienced 9-11 from a in, distance in such a different thing because we were put, uh, I was studying abroad. I was in yeah. Graz, Austria, and we were actually put on DOD standby. Mm-hmm. And so it was this terrifying thing where they were like, go back, to your apartments, pack your stuff if we get the call. And so I called my dad, who is a now retired lieutenant colonel, mm. and I was like, what do you do? And he said, stay. I said, don't go. They don't have to. They can't make you go. Right. Uh, Austria is a constitutionally neutral country. If something does happen, if this breaks out, you stay. Right. Be mm. safe. We'll see you when you see you. And I'm 21 years old and thinking... <laughs> So this is what's going to happen. So I'm going to stay abroad and live in this country while my country goes to war. This is terrifying. Right. So it was one of those really kind of earth shattering moments when you're like, ah, is this really going to happen? And then, yeah. of course, it was fine. Yeah. It was a weird, it was weird. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting time to, to be abroad. It's, I yeah, I believe that. I mean, I felt like it was an interesting day to wake up, actually. Yeah. <laughs> My roommate called me. He's like, have you seen the news? I was like, we don't <clears> we, have the news. We Chris. watched it on a small little like black and white television we had at the job that I had yeah. at the time. Went to Lowe's to buy an antenna. And in between that time, like, came back, hooked the antenna up to see the second plane hit. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, we just got it's, everything going. It's, it's like, weird oh, that, like, what? we, in my head, it's weird that we already have our, like, JFK moment. Because I think that is our JFK well, yeah, moment we, in a lot of ways. We call like, them, I'm, in my class, I call them watershed moments. Right. Like, mm. And I always thought and had hoped, really, that because I was, I actually watched the Berlin Wall fall. Right. And so, and I was. Well, how I old was, are you? I'm 38. I turn 39 next month. Okay. So we're all like 
Yeah, we're all, yes. all about same the same age. age. Yeah, so, yeah. We, yeah, so I was, you know, time. nine years old watching. Aaron, I mean, Aaron remembers better than we do. He was driving around <laughs> when the Berlin Wall fell, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was, I mean, I was, I was nine years old watching the Berlin Wall fall. Right, and I yeah. thought, you know, this is going to be it. Yeah. And then September 11th happened. And now. If you were nine and knew the vocabulary word watershed moment, you're smarter <laughs> well, no. than I am. No, I mean, I, you are smarter than I am. He grew anyway. into it, Daniel. <laughs> you were Come way on. smarter at an earlier <laughs> yeah. age. So. But yeah, you knew that was going to be. And then um, uh, the bombing in Oklahoma City, that yep. seemed like that oh, was man. Gonna be kind of like. Yep. Big thing, yeah, and it was, and that's been 20. Mm-hmm. How many years? 90, now? That was 96, so it's 25, 95, no. 96, 23. No. I, I worked for a year. The city bombing, I feel like, no, terrorism high. Research I had to be like center. I'm gonna feel awful, or something, yeah, that I've forgotten <laughs> this. Aren't I think you, the, I think you are right. Yeah, it was exactly. really it was like 93, 94. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think so. I teach world history, so like if you <laughs> the can US get doesn't matter like as much. Fifty years yeah. of the actual well, event, you you're get, doing pretty well. You got close, and then you could throw. It's a stone's throw away. So. <laughs> I think depending on how far back you go, maybe is where that window yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. 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 You well, know, if it's like and, 100 AD and you're off 50 years, that's cool. Yeah, but yeah. If it's no, like nobody cares. Within your lifetime and you're off. Yeah, 50 years, it seems like a bigger. It happened it's, before. It's after World War II was in 1973. <laughs> 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 we start. We start telling history by like after Tad. I was a baby boomer. <laughs> yeah, um, no. I think Berlin Wall was a Tad. <laughs> <laughs> Plus Maybe. minus. Plus yeah. minus 20 years. We should have a waiver saying all of the historical facts stated on look what I did <laughs> are neither accurate nor historical. I thought that was implied. Ish. I don't think that oh, has to be no. said. Right. It's yeah, about well, a lot of we're things. never accurate. Yeah. See, but the, the other issue that comes up is it's it's everything I can do right now not to pull the Google box out of my pocket and just double check because yeah. that, that We've is... We've only checked one <clears> fact <throat> ever, I think, on the last episode. Well, we had actually. someone else that did it yeah, so while, we while we were sitting and here, and then another one, wives check. Okay, for. so two, two. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we just go with it. Yeah, I mean, I just go. With it. I mean, if you say it authoritatively, the who, yep, but and the why, and the why, yep, Ruby they, Ridge, uh, mm. it's part of it anyway. So we're going to talk about Arlington Road now. Hello, one Queen. Of the greatest no. movies ever made. Arlington Road. Oh man, it's so good. Have you never seen yeah. it? Oh yeah. You have to watch Arlington Road. Was no, that with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? No, and Kate Arlington Road is Winslet. a no. That's uh, um, Tim that's Robin, Revolutionary uh, Road. No, it's Tom Robbins. Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. Oh, the actor, but yeah, the, and Jeff Bridges. The director was um, right. Oh, what was his name? The director that did all like Lost Highway and uh, Twin me. Peaks. I literally um, David Lynch. Oh, David really? Lynch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did Arlington Road? I'm pretty sure. We may have to have oh. a fact check here. Well, it was Jeff Bridges. Eh, let's just run with it. It was Arlen, It was it was David Lynch did Arlington yeah. Road because it was kind of outside it's, of his wheelhouse. It seems but like it's it. still super, that is such a good movie. Super yeah. never seen no, it. I've seen it. Are I have. Are you sure? I feel like no. I am yes, totally. So I just said Jeff Bridges is in it. Yeah, I think you made up a name. Nope, he's in it. <laughs> you just guessed. Nope, nope. I've seen it. Um, it's been a long time, but I have seen. See, it. but that's what makes again makes teachable moments. Yeah, because I I love having that that. Like my kids constantly want to prove me wrong, and I tell them, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff rattling around up there, so I could get things wrong. But I'm like, let's look it up together. If I'm yep. wrong, I'm wrong, yep. and and it irritates them endlessly mm-hmm. that I don't try to like stick to that because yeah. they really want that that us versus him kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nah, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Cool. Yeah, I think I think there's a power in being able to just like 
yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, well, let's I'm, find I'm out. Fallible. Yeah. Like, I don't you know? know everything. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I have this really bizarre like teaching style that is if if you treat high school students like people, they respond really well to it. Mm-hmm. And so many teachers have that. I have to hold the power. I have to. I have to lead this classroom. And it's it's so passe. Like that's they're they're beyond that. Right. Um, because what we the the classical styles. One of the things that I've been working with over the last couple of years. Um, I was really lucky. I got to go to New Zealand last year uh, to observe what they're doing with Mm -hmm. project-based learning, and I don't want to throw out a bunch of jargon, but it's this idea that we have to fundamentally change how we're teaching, because if you grabbed a time machine and went back 150 years and kidnapped a teacher out of her classroom and dropped her into a modern classroom, I say her because 150 years ago, all teachers were women. Um, very rarely outside of like boarding schools and other things, but um, you could drop her into any modern day classroom. And with the exception of the technology, which would kind of freak her out right? and the whole kidnapping thing. Um, <laughs> but methodology wise, she could teach that class. Mm-hmm. And so with all of the advances we've had in technology and how we deal with information and how much information is out there, and we're still teaching the same way that we taught 150 years ago, it just doesn't make sense. Well, so I think our job now as teachers really needs to be, this is how you siphon information. Mm. Ish. I didn't have a good ish thing to come into. Yeah, I don't either. Got it. No. Nope. No. It's getting it, ishy. Thanksgiving ish. Um, <laughs> I do want to say that we are proud members of the Voice Press Network. We are. So you can go to thevoicepress.com and you can uh, find us, but you've already found us. So more are. importantly, mm-hmm. you can find other finely curated, independently produced mm-hmm. podcasts. We have the Adoptive Mom podcast. Action Orson. Action Orson. Go Rogue. Uh, Travis just came out with this new show Ooh. called Beats by Travis, and it's uh, like like a music industry podcast. So Sweet. about booking gigs and uh, formatting emails to book shows and um, advertising. But the thing that makes the show, I think, really valuable to a broader audience is that in a lot of ways, if you're making or creating anything, you have to do a lot of those same steps. Mm-hmm. Website design, emailing, I mean, you've got to get an audience in front of what, whatever it is. Even if you have a brick and mortar, you have to get people there. Yep. And so I think a lot of the skills that Travis is talking about, and this isn't a person who just like decided to make a podcast about this. This guy probably manages more stages in Northwest Arkansas than any other single person. Mm-hmm. Um, he books for most of the venues, I believe. Wow. Like maybe not all of them. I mean, I'm sure not all of them, but a lot, a lot of them. And so he really does know what he's looking for personally as a person that books shows, but also um, he plays in bands and Mm -hmm. has played in bands for a long time. And so he knows what, and at a high level. And so he knows like what it takes to kind of get there as well. So this is a person that really is bringing you industry knowledge um, and does a lot for the musical community. So 
Beats by Travis. That's available at thevoicepress.com. Make sure to rate all of these shows on iTunes. Yes, it's so important. I know you probably listen to it on your own podcast player, but if you mm-hmm. can get to Apple Podcasts, you know, yes. through a desktop or whatever that format is, and you can rate these shows, it means so much to us and to the algorithm oh, yeah. to just trying to lift these shows up, right? Mm-hmm. And get more people in front of them. So if you can take that time, that'd be great. Um, and, and as always, just share the show, share all of these shows, yes. share your favorite podcasts. Yes. Uh, the more people we have listening to podcasts, the more great content keeps getting created, yep. the more stuff there is to listen to. Mm-hmm. It just makes the whole thing better, you know? So very true. Very true. I think we're still a ways away from the golden age of podcasting. And I think like you write, like, you yes. know, you kind of yes. like TV's on for a long time before you get to the oh, wire yeah. and Sopranos and mm-hmm. those types of things. And I I think that's like, I think podcasts are, are getting close to that, but mm-hmm. um, there's still, I think there's still a lot of room and opportunity oh, there. Yeah. So I'm super excited about the future. Yeah. Of it. There's plenty of different subjects to be covered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as always, I want to thank Mr. Will for Dude. our amazing yep. ish point music. We're still looking for some intro music. Mm-hmm. We may even change up the ish point music. Ooh, yeah. So if you have any, you know, if you made a Diddy and Garage Band or whatever you did, <laughs> um, feel free to send it to us yeah. and and we'll play that. We'll give you credit. Yep. Um, it's just something that kind of I think changes the texture of the show a little uh-huh. bit, and, yeah. and it's fun for us. And, and it's it's, I feel humbled by people doing things like that, saying, "Hey, you can not me." Use I think this. they definitely should just send it. to They should be well, grateful that we put their music. On you're the air you're, you're totally they're... right. Yeah. <laughs> Where was I? What was I thinking? How dare you approach me with me wanting to do this? Uh, no, it's it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. No, it really is. I agree yeah, with you 100. Yeah. percent So uh, you this, love us. <laughs> this year, I couldn't be more thankful. I really couldn't. And uh, so. Yeah, thank you guys for listening, thank and we'll you. go back to Mr. Mm-hmm. Tad Sowers, the most patient interviewee <laughs> in the face of the earth. Yeah. So I think our job now as teachers really needs to be this is how you siphon information. Mm. Yes. We just had this conversation with Daniel Hawkins about, you said Google box more than once. And like, we have all the information in the world, not all of it, but a lot of information in the world at our fingertips. Plenty. And one of the things I was thinking about in having you on is that conversation around my daughter came in the other day and asked me seriously if I thought the earth was flat because the internet teaches is agnostic right and, like and there's no filter on the internet right oh. so, so what wikipedia what, what we have to teach now is the ability one to filter information and two to be able to tell good information from bad information right and unfortunately there's there's still a lot of party line ideology where if i say it and i have a modicum of respectability then you take it as gospel. Right. Even though I may have just pulled that off of Breitbart. You know, so it's it's one of those things where you really need to pay attention to your sources. And it's a fight that I get in constantly because I, you know, when they turn in a paper or whatever, I'm like, where did you get this? Like, I, I got it off Wikipedia. Nope. Try again. Like, you have to, to keep digging. Right, you know, and and God forbid they ever darken the doorstep of a library. Mm, I just read an article about uh, 
how like library books at universities, the checkout rate has oh, God, just it's, it's nothing into yeah. almost nothing because mm-hmm. you can just do all your research online. That's right. But to be fair, books have historically also not always been accurate, right? So no, I, like course. it is a consistent problem. I just think like the availability has made that problem more prevalent. No, absolutely. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think how do you to that point, like it is really difficult. And now we've introduced a new problem. And I want to be careful in this conversation because we do our best to like not be political. And I'm not trying to go. No, no, I, I'm with you. Wait. But sorry, I should should not have invoked Breitbart. Then no, I mean, no, I mean, but but I think I think that's fair in the sense that like we're now starting to have the discussion over which sources can be trusted as sources because right. very few of us yeah. actually put our hands on it. Right, and I think that this is an interesting conversation in uh, about teaching in the sense that I think you kind of touch on it inadvertently earlier of like these teachable moments since telling stories like that's not how I was taught history I was taught history is just rote memorization like yeah. here's a date here's a name yeah. This, yeah. this event occurred at that time we don't need that anymore because no. we can get that really quickly and right. so like the motivation and the personal interaction and um, I'm sure you listen to Dan Carlin's hardcore mm-hmm. history like um, the way he kind of dives into that deeper layer of it I think that's what we really have to learn from history um, well, and the narrative. To me, what's right. really important is the narrative. Why were these people doing yeah. what they were doing? What motivated them to do this? Even as misguided as we might think it is, we have to, again, put on that idea of, okay, during this time period, what was their motivation? Right. Why were they thinking of this? Um, you know, I talk about, I do a lot with genocide studies. Uh, I like teaching uncomfortable history. Um, I just play D&D. That's where I do my <laughs> genocide studies. <laughs> but, but uncomfortable history is, is that which, and that's why I like working with the older kids, with the high school kids, because you know we can talk about genocide and, mm-hmm. and talk about the, you know, the genocides that people really don't want to talk about. Uh, we were just talking about China in, in World War II and the just absolutely horrific things that the Japanese did in China that got completely whitewashed during the Cold War because they were our allies. Mm. We can't point out that they did horrible, horrible things because they're our friends now and we really have to take a step back and be like, well, you know, Andrew Jackson, um, we don't have the greatest track record (laughs) maybe um but you know there and there's so many great things like i uh started teaching african-american history about four years ago and then i went to crystal bridges last year and actually took their teaching african-american history through art and then you get introduced to guys like titus kafar who is amazing and talking about moving the glance away from, because there's this thing about big man history that we always look at where we talk about presidents and generals, but we don't talk about everyday people. And without talking, you can't really tell the story without talking about Medgar Evers, without talking about um, Emmett Till, you know, without talking about the people who really did, whether their action or what happened to them, you can't really tell the full story as to why it is the way it is today. Mm. Like that, that was really powerful for me, but it is uncomfortable history. 
And it's one of those things where really my job, if I can put you off the narrative that you have had, you know, whether it's your home life or the school that came before or whatever, then it makes you question. And then you've won a victory for that kid from then on out. Yeah. Because then they're going to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Because I, I can't tell you how many times students have like been, been like, well, I feel cheated now. Like there's all this out here and nobody told me about yep. it. Or mm-hmm. um, I loved Bill Clinton um, talking about his greatest regret is not doing more with the Rwandan genocide. And the the thing that you can just blow kids' minds with is the fact that the Rwandan genocide went on as long as it did because there was something better on television. That's something that they can understand. That's something that they can connect with because the World Cup was on. Mm. So the entire world was watching the World Cup, Mm -hmm. watching soccer, and no news coverage was, was being focused on Rwanda. Just like right now with the Rohingya. That's a utterly great example of how we can't just make heroes and then leave them because, and I forget her name, but the woman who is president of, of Myanmar right now won a Nobel Peace Prize and is, whether actively or passively, letting genocide happen in her country. So it's this great, like, wait a minute, we, we've always been told that people who win Nobel Peace Prizes are, are great people and good leaders. And it's like, mm. So. Interesting. Sorry, this got real dark. I mean, no, 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 no. I've it also is... never nodded my head so much without actually knowing what's right. going on. Well, I mean, it makes me, like, looking back at the maps and everything, I grew up, you yeah. know, I'm five years older than you guys, but, like, you know, going to school and these maps were made basically through you know the Cold War. You could say mm-hmm. you the know, map when the U.S. is still the center of it. Well, like everything's off. Pretty to the everything side. is so <laughs> tiny around it. Mm-hmm. Hilarious story. That is everywhere on Earth, right? Oh so yeah, your <laughs> country is the when center. I, no, like... when I went to New Zealand, Australia, their school maps up on the wall have Australia and New Zealand <laughs> in the center, and everything else is on the well, side. And I was like, sense, your point of, of reference, bitch. it kind of right. makes sense, right? right? No, like, exactly. Yeah, but like growing up and. You, and I'm not going to say how old I was when I realized. I mean, you hear, but then when you're, when you're on a cruise. <laughs> no, hold on. So, anyway. No. Oh, no, there's right. no, 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 no. Seven years ago, right? So older than that. Anyway, yeah. So, you know, you're, I was on a cruise ship and literally could see Cuba from the cruise ship. So you realized like, the earth was round when you were I realized how close... How freaking close it was, and I mm-hmm. could be wrong. If there's anyone I went to school with that like realized, because I don't recall Cuba being that close to Florida on the maps that we had. Yep. Don't I don't miles. think that they were right, and I miles. don't think you know. It's like one of those things you're looking at. I'm just like, that's Cuba. You know, all these Seinfeld jokes made sense. All these you know, Alien Gonzalez, whatever his name was. You know, the kid in the I, dolphin, Silent yeah. Live skit. Um, but I mean, there's quite a few I other love things. That you remember Alien Gonzalez <laughs> from an SNL skit, yep, not and, from the news and not from the news. <laughs> not from no, anything. no, and the news too, because we watched, we watched, we watched news what, in the evening. What's the, what's the news evening. on SNL called? Is that what you? No, no, the no, news no, 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 no. It was a weekend update. Yeah, weekend, weekend update. update. No, it was a. Skit. That was where Aaron got all. It his was news. literally a, yeah. Dennis Miller, thank you. 
Kevin Nealon, thank you. <laughs> oh, Dennis Miller. I, I remember. Best ever. Oh, Dennis Miller and John Stewart had such a massive impact on yes. on my my young adult life because I I can always remember Dennis Miller like the one time that he absolutely broke the fourth wall was there was some news story about a pedophile and you could tell that it had just obviously gotten there. Like Mm -hmm. it it had, it had broke him somewhere in inside. And he said, I'm going to go off script for a minute. And I'm just going to say, if you feel like you need to do this, like there's something in you and, and you feel like this is okay, just kill yourself. And he was dead, like complete silence. And you're just like, oh, wow. Uh, When do I laugh? Yeah. Like, (laughs) and it it was one of those moments where you're like, it's so rare, you know, especially on the the, the skit shows Mm -hmm. to get that, that moment of Mm -hmm. absolute honesty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, yeah, it's uncomfortable. All those people. I mean, as much as we just said, like we try to never get political or whatever, like we still have feelings about stuff. And I think it's hard Mm -hmm. sometimes to divorce your, like you're putting on a show for whatever, right? Like music or a play, but like there are things that get to you and like that may hit in a weird way. Be a classroom teacher. Yeah. Talk about walking that line every day where you're just like, I'm not going to talk about that. (laughs) Nope. Not going to talk about that. Not going to talk about that. (laughs) Being a history teacher, you're going to get asked your opinion a lot probably (laughs) because absolutely. And also like to be fair, in some cases, those kids are legitimately looking for some guidance, right? Right, Like outside of their home or trying to get some, you're trying to get a North star in there because to our point earlier, the internet's agnostic. Everything's the same. You need somebody you can trust mm. to give you some. Well, right. And there's, there's a huge difference between being political and being human. Right. Right. Like to me and in my classroom, like LGBTQ issues, that isn't politicized. That's being human. Right. And if you err too far on one side of that and say, well, it's because I'm conservative. I'm like, no, no, no. Those are humans, mm-hmm. and you have to respect that. So there's there are some of those lines in the sand where it's just like, this is just how it needs to be. Right. Like misogyny, like super hardcore misogyny, anything, you know, anti-homosexual, anti-LGBTQ, um, anything racism, that just... That just has well, it's, zero it seems place. Like, like be that's such an one of those thing to say. Like it's just treating people respectfully, right? Like that mm-hmm. shouldn't be hard, <laughs> but apparently it is. <laughs> it can be, yes. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I mean, and yeah. Anyway, I yes, I can't imagine that your job is easy, and I think, and I do kind of want to go back to the like, what have you settled on, or have you settled on a methodology for teaching discernment or whatever word you want to use, but that ability to kind of like get to the core facts. Like you're still going to make whatever decision you want to make off of that. But well, a lot of times, the- so, you know, you have all the different standards that, that they hand you. So basically they hand you a, a book and you have to teach X, Y, Z. So that's what you have to cover throughout the semester. Right. How you get there is completely up to you. Mm. A lot of classes still go chronologically. Um, 
Because with certain things like College Board, uh, so the AP classes, you have no choice. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the way it is. Uh, with some of my other classes, like environmental science or um, speech, or I'm actually teaching a, a eighth graders for the first time this year, and that that has been eye-opening. Um, I'm really lucky I had a great class of eighth graders, but that is a whole different animal. Yeah, like my daughter's have, one year away. She's going into seventh, and it's you, like you that's not high be, school. No, it isn't. <laughs> nope. It isn't. And I and I kind of had to like I had a couple times where I was talking about something and just absolute blank stares. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I need to retailer this. But for that class, like I'm going a lot more towards project based learning mm-hmm. because if it's kind of the whole. And I'm from Kansas, so I should not make Wizard of Oz references. But uh, where you pull back the curtain and I've gotten, especially with the younger kids, I've gotten a lot better results by saying, okay, guys, instead of me trying to interpret the standards and then spoon feeding you something, we're going to do this another way. And I'm going to give you the standards and you tell me how you want to get there. Right. And the results that you get from that, they come up with way better projects hmm. than I can. Right. And they come up with better ideas. So it's it's more guiding rather than teaching. Yeah. And in the current environment we're in, I think it works a lot better because they're used to, like you said, the Internet's agnostic. They're used to drinking from the fire hose from the internet, but if you can guide them to what they're looking for or what you tell them to look for, you get really great results. And they tend to think like this generation that's coming up tends to think a lot more laterally. Mm -hmm. And so I think you get, and they will school you on technology on how to find things and then how to show things. Like Google Classroom has been amazing for right. a lot of things because they live in that technological world. It's, you know, the old thing about, okay, we've got this basket and everybody's going to put their cell phones in the basket. Well, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's some addiction issues that I'm thoroughly convinced there's some addiction issues there. Like I have taken kids phones away in class and they've had we're talking high school kids 16 mm-hmm. 17 years old have had pan full on panic attacks because they don't have their phone with them yeah ah. i have some things to say about that the coddling of the american mind read it read it you read it helicopter parents are awesome. uh the coddling of the american mind <laughs> just read it my, my favorite helicopter parent story, uh, my dad, before he retired, was a uh, dean at Pittsburgh State University mm-hmm. in graphics imaging technology. And he actually had a grad student whose mother not only went with him to an internship interview, but insisted on sitting in on the interview. This is a grad student. Hmm. The coddling of the American mind. Read it. <laughs> Read it. Everyone read it. I cannot 
cannot recommend it enough. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> is it though? No. <laughs> no. That's, it's just like this wow. job interview you go on. I'm going to show up with you and just be like, I'm Aaron's helicopter parent. Uh, that, so I think there's two things I really want to get here, and I, I'm, I'm going to say them because I want to make sure we get to them both. One, uh, well, I forgot one already. But the first one is you do mention like earlier like teaching or treating high school students like they're people right but i think that like what i've discovered so far is treating almost everybody like they're people like giving people agency right like absolutely i think even at two years old i'd read something because i was a single dad like early on and so you know i've got this one-year-old kid and i'm like i I learned everything by reading so i you know i opened this book it was like, well, offer options because then it feels less like you're just on this track all the time and more like they have agency. And so like they have to eat breakfast, but let them pick hot or cold or this cereal versus that cereal. And they'll like, you can guide the decision making right. a little bit, but you can still offer options. And, you know, even at work or whatever, like as you give people the sense that they make decisions, that they are in control, it's just, better results all no absolutely around. i don't and, see why you wouldn't learner agency is i mean I, you've hit the nail on the head like that's one of the things that nobody wants to feel like they're being guided right through any especially not through four years of high school when you have the world on your shoulders and it seems like the hardest thing it's the most important years of your life yeah exactly and you might even and, want to be guided but you don't want to be forced down the path right, exactly like, yeah. exactly yeah. so you want to and, and even when you get into the classroom you don't want to be spoon-fed everything right so i think the more learner, learner agency we can give kids i think the better off they are but i mean even going back to like i really likes this idea of school design and doing like the schools without walls. A lot of the things that we saw in New Zealand. I went to that school, elementary school, Butterfield when it didn't have walls. They, is that coming back? We're hoping. Um, but it's one of those things where, um, you know, one, some of the biggest failures that we have, um, like my two biggest things is if you want a kid to learn, uh, especially at the elementary level, the the two biggest questions you can ask every morning two biggest questions are did you eat breakfast do you have unclean socks because if you are a kid that has come to school without breakfast and you're hungry do, do you guys perform well I don't. at all nope. when you're Liz lemon man when you're hungry, hungry. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and it is, and mm-hmm. it's no different for them. In fact, it's it's actually right. amplified. Right. I mean, yeah. how, how often do you love dealing with your kid when they haven't had breakfast? Right. At I ten, have always struggled with the fact that adults in school settings treat kids like they are something superhuman because no adults in that large a group behave no, like not. they expect the kids to. Oh God! Right. You want to talk about the worst group of human beings on the face of the planet? Go to any professional development. Teachers are the absolute <laughs> worst. Like everything that we tell our kids not to do, like having our phones out while somebody's talking to us, we do it all. And we're terrible. Oh, I was yeah. on a a panel of people that were talking to every career educator in Arkansas, all of them. And there were five of us on this panel, right? And the whole time I'm sitting there and I, school was not my happy place necessarily, right? And so I'm sitting there the whole time. I was just like, you guys don't follow a single rule you ever said to do once. <laughs> like, not one. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it is it, it is funny how we tend to treat kids like somehow they 
you know, like, well, I can't believe they threw a tantrum. And it's like, yeah, but you just threw a tantrum like an hour ago because we didn't go to the restaurant you wanted to go to. Like, here's a kid without 30 years of filter building. Right. Like, what do you expect? You know, like, and not to say the tantrums are okay, but like, we do expect them to somehow have a weird control over themselves that we tend to lack ourselves. Well, and there's, there's so many things like I'm such a massive fan of one school gardens. Like that's a huge thing for me. Um, and two, uh, cooking classes. Like I, I come from a culinary background. I started as a dishwasher when I was 14 and worked my way up through the restaurant. And then I was a sous chef in college and kind of helped pay the bills. And, there are kids who don't understand that what a root vegetable is mm-hmm. like that a carrot actually grows underground. The potato grows underground or even that French fries come from potatoes. What? Like they, they don't understand this idea. Mm-hmm. So if we have kids that grow food, then kids will tend to eat what they grow. Mm-hmm. They aren't going to be scared of tomatoes or squash yeah. or yeah potatoes or carrots and the other thing is is how many schools just northwest arkansas how many schools have food banks right quite a few have if we'll take your word for it if you are (laughs) under a certain level people drop stuff off they donate stuff little pantries that sort of thing right and they give kids food to take home to their family that creates a stigma Mm -hmm. what if you could flip the script and have those kids grow food and then they're not taking home boxed food or canned food that has no nutritional value. They're taking home fresh food. And not only are they taking home fresh food, there is no stigma because they're like, there's, there's pride there. Yep. I did. I grew this. Mm -hmm. I did this. Yes. And then you're learning the whole time too. Right. Not mm-hmm. just a skill, but actually and, everything and about it. And that's the next yeah. point yep. is then not only are they taken at home, but if they've done cooking classes with their teachers at school, those kids are then teaching their parents how to do that. Because yep. we assume that everybody's not a terrible parent. And as much as we love to assume that not everybody's a terrible parent, there are terrible parents out there. Mm-hmm. And so like just little ideas like that of how do we look at like one of my biggest things with ed reform that I've been really big on is we have to stop looking at things linearly. I can't say (laughs) it. Thank you, Daniel. Um, (laughs) Except for all those historical people I didn't know. There you go. (laughs) Now we're even. Linearly. (laughs) But we, we, so we look at it as a child to teacher teacher to lead faculty or whatever it is, lead faculty to vice principal to principal to uh, superintendent school board. What if we got rid of that idea and started looking at it as a web instead of parents, siblings, peers, Uh, because peer to peer learning is so invaluable and we don't do like, we do the fifth graders go read to the kindergartners yeah. once a week. That is, that's only scratching the surface mm-hmm. of what peer to peer education can do. It's right. unbelievable how much more they get when you allow them to teach each other. Well, right. that's like a big part of what this show kind of is. Sometimes it's like learning from each other and, mm-hmm. and 
the value of apprenticeship or whatever. And you don't have to be a 20 year difference between an apprentice and a master. Like those right. can be people the same age or whatever, but Aaron has way more skill in some stuff than I do. I don't have any skills, but the, like I can go to Aaron and learn how to like, right. But like him teaching me and showing me and being there with me or vice versa. And some uh -huh. things like that's how we've learned to do a bunch of stuff because yeah, it's a and comfortable it's so space much to learn. Better. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my, my example of that is I bought a camera. Mm -hmm. and it, it's a ridiculous point and shoot, but it's still a point and shoot. Mm -hmm. And my wife is an incredibly gifted photographer, but I found myself getting super frustrated because we'd be out at a national park or whatever on a road trip. And she'd spend an hour getting four shots and I'd just be sitting there doing nothing. So I bought a camera so that I could get in on that too and give me something to do while she was setting up her shots and getting her shots and whatnot. And I have learned so much. I actually really enjoy, like she does portrait and street art and all this really cool stuff, but I bought a ridiculous toy with a giant zoom. So I've actually gotten super into nature photography. Like mm -hmm. I never thought I would be the guy we were in Colorado and there was a certain type of orange hummingbird that happened to be migrating through at that point. Right. I spent an hour and a half sitting on the front porch of the cabin to get one picture <laughs> of a hummingbird. I do not have this type of patience. Yeah. yeah. You've been broken, Ted. But, but yeah. <laughs> and, and so it was one of those things. And she's taught me so much. And it's so funny because we learn better from our peers because when I finally got that shot, she was pissed. Yeah. Because she didn't. Yeah. You know, and she's super supportive, but at the same time, you could tell she was like, What have I done? <laughs> Still a crappy point and shoot. <laughs> Look what I didn't do. Right. But I think when it's you're not an awesome camera like mine, <laughs> when you're excited about something, you want to share that. Right. You know, and I think that people that are asking, you're more likely to sort of soften the edges on maybe perhaps how you were taught, right. you know, on certain things. And it is, uh, when people see the excitement, they're more likely to listen right. as well. You know, it's, it is kind of a nice thing. Aha moments and all. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, and like I, I'm thoroughly convinced that that I would be dead uh, if, if I hadn't married who I married mm -hmm. because uh, she eats way better than I do. But you were talking about towing the line. So it is absolutely amazing to me that you can talk to people about religion mm -hmm. and politics and horrible things that are super controversial and everybody's on the same page. But the minute you start talking about eating vegan, <laughs> yeah, the world melts. Everybody has like this huge anti and I'm not vegan. I mm. eat way better than I used to, right. but Kendra is vegan. And like, I can't tell you how many times I've had to defend this. I'm like, she eats food. I don't like, <laughs> we, we all eat food. Right. She just doesn't eat certain things. Why am I defending this? And she's thinner than I am. So I could take a page out of that book. <laughs> we won't talk yes. about that. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, yes, I, I can see why people get worked up about it, but it's a diet, like whatever. Right. Like, well, like, Bacon. I don't understand why people have the love affair that they, I mean, I like bacon. Don't get me wrong, but we're about to have a disagreement. We're about to have to talk wow. about politics. No, <laughs> no. 
Now we're not <laughs> talking about the queen. Now we're talking about what was the pig from the pig movie? Babe. The pig Babe. from the pig. Well, there are several. Pig Charlotte's movies. Web. Hamilton. Hamilton. Is it Hamilton? From I quoted. I said that the other day, yeah, and everyone looked at me like I was right. an idiot. Animal well, Farm. If you want to throw politics I mean, and pigs into <laughs> it, yep. what was the Jim Davis cartoon? <laughs> this will be the most controversial episode we've ever had. Oh my gosh! Can you Tad believe that? Tad hates bacon. You heard it here first. Wow! Wow! <laughs> this is as shocking as we get. Guys. <laughs> We're gonna put this on Wikipedia and source it later. <laughs> yeah. I'll change right. it later well, too. This guy's yeah. never coming back. Mr. Oh. Sowers hates bacon. I, <gasps> I can't believe he hates bacon. Do we bacon? Have to call you Mr. Sowers now? No, I just I, because you I don't do like that bacon. When I think, is that what? So okay. <laughs> so this is a really interesting thing. Um, I have become friends with a lot of pastors and cops since I started teaching. And it's because we have these dual lives. Mm. So you have like the public life, which is the teacher, uh, you know, all of the right. things that go with that role model and upstanding. Mm -hmm. And then, but people don't tend to realize that, that we're men that have private lives right. as well, or people that have private lives as well. And you don't want to think about your youth pastor having a scotch. Right. But he's still a grown man it's one of those things where they really are these these bipolar lives and so it's funny having lived in Fayetteville as long as I've lived here when I when somebody sees me and they're like Tad I'm like okay I know you from this half of my life and when they're like Mr. Sowers I'm like okay <laughs> I know you from this half of my life so it's like when people say, oh, Thundercats guy. I'm like, I don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> or people, You bought a skateboard like, from me 20 yeah, years ago. Exactly. <laughs> like, people <laughs> from, from back. And what's funny mm -hmm. is I've always lived that bipolar life. Like that right. is, that's not just a professional thing. Like even in high school where I was running with all the punk rockers and, you know, the alcohol and drugs and all the things that went along with that. And then during the day I was also the band nerd and the honors student and president of the philosophy club and so there's always been that super bipolar split of you know bouncer in grad school right you know so it's mm. I guess teaching was kind of a natural but I think thing. a lot of people have that too I think a yeah. lot of like you know my wife like she processes mortgages and does you know right whatever she does in the day but like then get her and her office buddies together for a weekend of watching Dirty Dancing or something. It's right? Like, Are that? Um, <laughs> yeah. Then, uh -huh. <laughs> well, you know, we'll. I'll be we'll upstairs. Unplug the yeah. next camera. Uh, <laughs> Alexa doesn't need to know. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but I think everybody. Like, <laughs> but I think like everybody kind of has right. an element of that. Yeah. I think there's more pressure for sure on like the professions you gave of like a pastor and a police officer and a teacher, like because of the role model aspect of it. Right. I think that adds that extra weight. Like you expect, you kind of hold those people to a higher standard, right or wrong. Uh -huh. Then you might, you know, a, a guy selling t-shirts, right? Right. Like, well, and it's, it's really funny. You know, you talk about the Thundercats guy is something that, uh, some of my students kind of have an inkling cause they hear rumors, but I am very, heavily tattooed right like when we finish my back i will be more tattooed than not right tattooed but it's something that i never show at school because mm -hmm. i'm always dressed as i dress mm -hmm. right for school so it's one of those things that that doesn't in some parents mind it does but that doesn't define who i am as a teacher right, right. It, has, right. It, it has zero 
to do with how I am as a teacher, but the more of those perceptions that I can not deal with, then I can be a more effective teacher. Right. So it's not even that there, there are parts of my life that I try to hide. It's just another layer that I don't want to deal with, mm-hmm. you know, or have to win you over to convince you that I'm going to be the best teacher for your kid. You can, you can remove a barrier that doesn't need to be there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, and it's, and it's perceptual studies. Um, Okay, so Aaron is going to start a sentence. Oh, this and is you're going to finish it with whatever comes to mind. There's no right answer. We are getting into Nothing. the Rorschach yeah. portion. Here of we the, go. But it's good. Okay, all right. I'm very right. excited for this one. Yep. Okay, I I'm wish ready. I could travel more. Always, always want to travel more. Like there are so many things I've never been to Central America. I've never been to. Uh, South America, there there are still places that I would really like. Central Asia, still places on the map that I haven't seen. That was quick. Sorry, I no, yeah. it's not. I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> I'm but way everyone worries. Now. They're can like, we, can oh, we start oh, over? travel yeah. more. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I mean there was a guy was... literally as soon as the word came out of my mouth, he goes fish, fish more. <laughs> I mean it was <laughs> well, yeah. that's what John, that guy yeah, lives John for, though. Yep. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say. Yeah, but I mean that's. Uh, I 100% one. agree. Travel yep. and definitely South America. That was actually my first trip abroad in oh, South wow. America. And Jealous. Yeah. It was now it's awesome. Like I absolutely adored being able to go to New Zealand. Um I, I guess I should specify travel with my wife. <laughs> because that didn't have to be in there. Yeah, well. I'll tell you you didn't say it next she, time she's in the store. She, she has kind of thrown like we had this like fun, like lighthearted husband wife discussion about like, oh yeah, you're not gonna leave the country again without me. And then I got ha, ha, the ha. and then I got the grant thing to go to New Zealand and I was like, So about that, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to New Zealand oh, without you. And she's man. like, I'm not happy about this. It would have been funny if homes were movable. I think that would be a funny thing to come back to an empty lot and be like, <laughs> What? <laughs> right? No! Yeah, why? <laughs> why? But yeah, no, and and we travel really well together. Like that's one like great piece of relationship advice is if you're thinking about proposing to somebody, go on a road trip with them <laughs> because if you can't travel, well, at least for me, if you can't travel <laughs> well with that person, you're done. Yeah. Like that is not a relationship that's going to work out well. Yeah. Makes sense. And yeah. so, you know, we've done so much domestic that i'm like i want to go abroad and see yeah see how that works my favorite road trips after being together for 15 years that probably no um hey kendra do you think it'll work out (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure done central asia with a girl before i'm with with you (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure she asks herself that question (laughs) (laughs) yeah for the last 14.75 years right yeah yeah, probably our 10-year anniversary is in like Two, three weeks, and I still fully expect to come home to an empty house one day. And like her being like, I realize now what I've done wrong. <laughs> now you know what she hoped you'd come was, home to. I was happy before I met you. <laughs> That's what she says to me, not the other way around. Yeah. Clarify. Um, cool. Well, thanks for coming thank over you, and hanging out. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Out of all the time I've ever like dealt with. Not dealt with you. Dealt with that me. Dis- That's a good right. way. That's a good but way I mean, in a good way. Like, he has a way with words. It's That's just why like, he has a radio show I had no idea. Is. You know, it's just like, cool, cool. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. But yeah. Awesome. Do you mind taking some photos with us? Not at all.
Look What I Did is produced by Aaron Dotson and Daniel Quinn. Sound designed by Daniel Quinn. Our digital director is Heather Gillespie.